You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. so grateful that you could join with us this evening as we celebrate and remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the miraculous and wondrous moment when the Word of God humbled himself and became flesh in order to be God with us. A moment the whole world had been waiting and longing for. As scripture says, that the whole creation and its futility was, was groaning in labor pains until this day. And until the prophesied and promised Savior finally came into the world to save us and reconcile all things back to God. To be a light in the darkness. And speaking of waiting, when I was a kid, my family had a yearly tradition on Christmas Day to pack up all the presents, get in the car, and drive to my grandparents' house in the morning. Of course, I just wanted to open the presents, but no, first we had to go to their house, and then once we got there, do you think we got to open the presents? No. We had to wait until they prepared breakfast, and then we had to eat the breakfast, and once we were done eating the breakfast... Then do you think we got to open the presents? No. We had to wait until all the adults were done sipping their post-breakfast coffee. And some of you might recall that I've mentioned this before in the past, but because it was so traumatizing to me and because it happened to me pretty much every year of my childhood life, uh, I'm still working through it. I need to talk it out again, so bear with me. Anyways, I I would have already wolfed down my breakfast at this time along with my sisters and, and my cousins, but the adults... Whether it was on purpose or not, I, I can't be sure, it probably was, but they, they'd just be taking their sweet time, sitting around the breakfast table, sipping their brown liquid. And, and, and from my perspective, every slurp was like torture to my ears. Ah, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. My, my impatience and, and desire at wanting to find out what was awaiting me under the tree would be growing and growing with each sip until for what seemed like an eternity, in darkness and despair, they'd finally empty their cups. The waiting and the endless torment would be killing me by then. I'd, I'd be groaning, come on, until finally the moment would arrive. We'd finally make our way into the living room where the present unwrapping would ensue. And maybe some of you can relate to that on on some level. Or maybe like me, you're currently waiting for this year to end because it feels like we've been dealing with this craziness for way too long. But can you imagine then being like God's people and having to wait thousands of years and many multiple generations for the promised gift of the Messiah to finally arrive. In fact, at the time Jesus was born, there lived a righteous and devout old man by the name of Simeon who knew firsthand what it was like to wait for the Messiah. In fact, he'd been waiting longer than most It says in Luke 2 that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit and was told by God when he was younger that he wouldn't even taste death until he had laid eyes on this promised Messiah. 
And so we don't know how long he'd been waiting for this moment to arrive, but it must have been a long time because when it came, when he finally lays his eyes on Jesus, he's both relieved and elated. Let's, let's read the account from Luke 2, 22 to 35 together to see how he reacts to his waiting for the coming Messiah to finally be over. Turn with me to Luke 2, 22 to 35. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." So can you imagine the excitement that Simeon must have felt in that moment? He's been waiting so long for God's word to be fulfilled. And so when he sees this 40-day-year-old baby being dedicated in the temple, he knows the day has finally come. And he blesses God and exclaims, Now I can finally depart in peace. But he's not just rejoicing for his own personal benefit but also and primarily for who Jesus is. Filled with the Holy Spirit and and staring into the, the innocent and humble face of the baby Jesus in his arms, he prophesies. He says, My eyes have seen your salvation, the light for the Gentiles and the glory of God to all the people of Israel. So this this is why Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world. As he says, to save it to save us, to be the light and glory of God in the darkness for all humankind. And for a better understanding of what was actually taking place here, I I think it's important that we actually go back to the story of creation in Genesis 1. It says in Genesis 1, 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good and god separated the light 
from the darkness. So the first thing God did in the story of creation after creating the heavens and the earth was separate light from the darkness. And, and I don't know if, if you've realized this, but God doesn't actually create the stars and therefore the sun, which separate day from night, until the fourth day of creation. And so we have to ask, what is this light in which he spoke forth into the world on that first day? It's the light of life the light of his glory and presence, which is the source of all life for all living things. God stepped into creation. His his spirit hovered over the waters and his word went forth to give light and life to the world. And it was good. Unfortunately, the disobedience and sin of Adam and Eve in the garden plunged the world back into darkness, a spiritual darkness that that cursed us under the weight of sin and death, separating us from the light and glory of God, our source of true life. A few years ago, I, I joined my oldest son's elementary school class on a on a field trip to visit an old coal mine in the Crow's Nest Pass. Though before we got to go into the mine, the tour guide gave us helmets, which had, which had lights attached to the front of them so that we could see where we were going. It was kind of cool to wear those. But when we made our way deep into the mountain and, and found ourselves at the end of this mine shaft, the tour guide suggested that we all turn off our lights at the same time. And as we did so, we found ourselves in the deepest and thickest darkness I've ever experienced. It it was frightening, to say the least. I couldn't see anything, not, not even my own hand in front of my face. And the truth is, in that darkness, there would have been no possible way I could have found my way out of the mine shaft again. And in the same way, because of sin, This is the state in in which the whole world and every human finds themselves in, in in a spiritual darkness, slaves to sin, unable to find our way out, unable to atone or achieve forgiveness or see truth or make our way back to God on our own, unable to save ourselves from the darkness. But on the night of Jesus' birth, God cried out, into the darkness, into our darkness. For, for He cried out for the second and final time, let there be light. And light was born into the world. The word which God spoke at the beginning of creation took on flesh in order to once again and for all eternity separate light from the darkness. John 1, 1 to 5 says it like this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not Overcome it. The very word of God became flesh. 
a light given to us by the love and mercy and grace of God so that we could find our way out of the darkness of sin and into the glorious presence of the one who gives true life. Which is why Jesus would later proclaim of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus was born on that first Christmas day, the light of God had dawned into the world. Like the sun which comes up in the morning, the grace of God had dawned into the hearts of all mankind. And now all who believe in him by faith, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, can be set free from the bonds of sin and darkness and and are invited into the light and life of Christ, completely forgiven and made new. But of course, Jesus' birth was only the beginning of the story. The curse of sin and darkness still had to be defeated. And this seems to be why Simeon, after he proclaims Jesus to be our salvation, looks up at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and no doubt with a tear in his eye and compassion on his face, exclaims to her, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So the light of Christ not only lights our way to eternal life in the presence of God, but it also reveals our sin. And this would lead to to some who in their pride and self-righteousness would wish to snuff it out. Therefore, this revealing light Simeon writes, would lead to a time of suffering and sorrow. Especially for Mary, as she would one day watch her son, the the son of God, take the weight of all sin upon himself at the cross as our perfect sacrifice, all at the hands of those who wish to remain in the darkness. But the light of Christ cannot be snuffed out. It cannot be overcome. And the same spirit which hovered over the waters when God spoke light into the world raised Jesus from the grave. And now in the power of his resurrection, the light of life is freely given to all those who follow after him. And so finally, because of what Jesus came and did for us, God now speaks, let there be light into the heart of every soul, of every person who proclaims the name of Jesus. And by his name, by the power of his death and resurrection, there is light, and it is good.